Today is the first Sabbath of the year. Can you hear me well? Okay, I'm on. Am I? I think I am. Yes. Uh, is the first Sabbath of the year. And before we start this message, a message of hope, right? Because Jesus came to give us hope. And just before Jesus would lay down his life, just before Jesus would go all the way up to the cross, he said these words to his disciples. Words loaded with hope. And these words of hope have come down the ages, all down through the centuries to us. And these are words that bring us as well hope as we look forward to the second coming of Jesus. But before we start, please join me as I pray that the Lord will, gi- will guide us and will lead us this morning. So please bow your heads. Father, we thank you so much for the Sabbath day. We thank you that you have brought us here safely. And we thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be here when we might have chosen to be somewhere else. But I praise your name that these people chose to be here with their families, with their children, with their loved ones. And we are here, Lord. Some of us may have come here alone But when we come here, we can find a family, a Christian family, a community of faith to which we can belong. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us this opportunity to open up the Bible this morning. And still with freedom, with religious liberty, we can open up the Bible and study your word. And I ask, Lord, that you may help us not to take for granted this privilege. That this morning will be attentive. That this morning, Lord, even though I'll, I'll be used here as your instrument, the only voice that will be heard will be the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That your word may come out alive and impress our hearts. Lord, please keep me humble that I may understand that I'm just a human being. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. And use me, Lord, to proclaim your word this morning. And help and bless each worshiper here today. That our hearts will be open, our ears will be open, that we may take this message to heart. And be willing, Lord, to follow you no matter what. I ask you, I ask that your angels may be surrounding us, giving us peace and calm. That the Holy Spirit will be in our midst. That the enemy will be kept far away. That the angels will be, Lord, protecting us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. So Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Some people have thought, well, how long does it take for Jesus to prepare mansions for us? How much time does he need to build If he was able to create the entire world in six days, if by the power of his word he said, let there be light and there was light. He spoke and it was. How long does Jesus need 
to prepare a mansion for you, to prepare a place for you. Well, there is the story of uh, a customer who called American Airlines. And the agent who picked up the phone said, American Airlines, how can I help you? And the person on the other end of the line said, uh, how long does it take uh, to travel from Dallas, Fort Worth, to Frankfurt in Germany? And the agent had to wait until the information would come up on, on her computer screen, right? And so while that is loading up, the agent says, just a minute. And the person on the other end of the line said, oh, that's great, thank you, and hung up. Well, things that really matter uh, don't usually take just a minute, right? Uh, God can do anything. God can speak and it be. But Jesus is preparing a place for you in the sense that he wants to make sure you will have a place there. And this may not take a minute because he is working his plan out but he's also taking into consideration and respecting your free will. God is not going to force anything upon you. And out of his mercy, he's been working. And so some people may have contended that it has taken long, too long for Jesus to come back. And others may even mock Christians they say, and say, as the Bible says, nothing has changed since the beginning of things. But the truth is, things have changed, things are changing, and Jesus is still working, and He will accomplish His purpose in the end. Now, it's true that Christ could have come a long time ago. It's true that Christ could have come even before I was born. But it is, it is out of His mercy and out of His love that His coming has not yet happened. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but He is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so there are probably a number of reasons why Jesus hasn't come yet. And I'll mention, mention three of them. One is exactly the one I just talked about. The coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus has been delayed out of His mercy. Because He's not willing that anyone should perish. And Jesus would very much like to save every single human being. And so he's constantly, constantly pleading with us. He's constantly entreating us to listen to his voice and to follow him. That's one of the reasons why Jesus hasn't come yet. When you look at yourself... Or when you look at the heavens and you think, why hasn't Jesus come yet? But then you look at yourself and the Holy Spirit works in your heart and mind. And you're impressed with something that Jesus still has to work in you. And you thank God, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Because you're still working on me. 
And that's another reason. God is not only mercy, merciful, waiting that more people would repent and follow Him. He's also working on forming our characters. Just like a goldsmith works the gold and refines it. A little chiseling here, a little cutting there. It goes through the fire and it comes out refined. And that's the same thing that Jesus is doing, is willing to do with us. He wants to form in you a character, as Paul says, until Jesus Christ is formed in you. That it will be much less of myself and much more of Christ. Until it is totally Christ and not only me. As Paul himself says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I would say that this is another reason why Jesus hasn't come yet. It is first out of his mercy. And it's also because he's still working with you. He's still working on forming your character back into his image. And thirdly, he's constantly working with us. He's constantly equipping us because he wants to see us accomplish the work that you and I have been entrusted with. And just this morning, we were studying at Sabbath school in, in our class there. We are studying about the three angels' messages. And the message of the first angel is an everlasting gospel that is supposed to be preached to all tribes and tongues and nations and people. And preaching is not only, you know, going to the, the corner at the intersection and setting up a speaker and grabbing a microphone and preaching there to passers-by. That's one way of doing that. And maybe in certain uh, instances you might even annoy people by doing that. But I would say that the main way you should be preaching, you should be taking the gospel out, is by living out the gospel. Is by how you live. And so God is equipping you, He's empowering you, so that you may be able to go out and take the gospel with you by the way you speak, by the way you live, by the way you treat people. Now one thing you need to be aware of is that the Bible is clear when it says that Jesus went and He said that He will come back again. But in the meantime, Jesus is not, uh, Jesus is not lazy. He is working. While Jesus was here, He said, My Father works till this day and I work also. And He hasn't, kept, he hasn't stopped working. He is still working to this day. And so He's working in you, He's working with you, he's want, He wants to make sure that there will be a place for you, that your place will be guaranteed. Jesus is not uh, delaying His coming, not because He's gone away on vacation, not because He's forgotten about you, not because there's too much suffering that He's not able to manage here, not because He has forgotten you in the midst of your miseries. No, Jesus is not aloof. He is still in charge. And Jesus is still working. He is still working on your behalf. And His, de his delay is only because He is merciful. Only because He wants to perfect your character. 
and because He wants to empower and equip you so that you may go out and live out the gospel. And so a new year is starting today. Or not today. started just a few years ago. But a new, a new year is starting for us here on the Sabbath. Four days are already gone. The fifth is almost gone. Uh, sundown will be in just about four hours, four and a half hours. But we still have another 360 days to live. And what is this year going to be like? What is your year going to be like? I mean, what choices will you make? What choices are you going to make and how are you going to conduct your life in expectation of the second coming of Jesus? There is a poem, you may have come across this poem. It is called, Yesterday, Today and Tomorrow. It is, it is from an unknown author. So It says, there are two days in every week about which you should not worry. Two days which should be kept free from fear and apprehension. One of these days is yesterday, with its mistakes and cares, its faults and blunders, its aches and pains. Yesterday has passed forever beyond our control. All the money in the world cannot bring back yesterday. We cannot, do, we cannot undo a single act we performed. We cannot erase a single word said. Yesterday is gone. The other day we should not worry about is tomorrow, with its possible adversities, its burdens, its large promise and poor performance. Tomorrow is also beyond our immediate control. Tomorrow's sun will rise either in splendor or behind a mask of clouds, but it will rise. This le- uh, tomorrow's sun will, uh, sorry, but it will rise. Until it does, we have no stake in tomorrow, for it is yet unborn. This leaves us only one day, today. Any man can fight the battles of just one day, It is only when you or I add the burdens of those two awful eternities, yesterday and tomorrow, that we break down. It is not the experience of today that drives men mad. It is the remorse or bitterness for something which happened yesterday and the dread of what tomorrow may bring. Let us therefore live but one day at a time. I would agree with this author author, that we have to live one day at a time. But I would say, I would go beyond this and say that there is no need to see tomorrow as a dreadful thing. Because our hope, our hope should be able to carry us forward. We can live today with the hope of a brighter tomorrow. How can we live today with the hope of a brighter tomorrow. Well, there is this story of two boys who were playing in the snow one day. I found this illustration very appropriate because we haven't had much snow yet, but we know it's coming, right? It will come. So two boys were playing in the snow. And one of them said to the other, oh, let's see who can make the straightest path in the snow. And his companion said, yes, that's a good thing. Let's do that. 
So the one boy fixed up his eye, fixed his eyes on the tree. And walked along without taking his eyes off the tree. The other boy also set his eyes on the tree. But when he had gone just a short distance, he turned to make sure that his steps were in a straight line. And then he continued a little bit and went a little farther and stopped again and turned to make sure that his steps were lined. And he continued to do so until they met at the end. But when they arrived there, they stopped and looked back. And one path was exactly a straight line going all the way down to the tree. While the other was like a zigzag course. And so the one who did the zigzag asked to the other, How did you get your path so true? And the other boy said, Well, I just set my eyes on the tree and kept them there until I got here. While you stopped and looked around and looked back. And you ended up wandering out of your course. And this is a perfect picture of what the Christian life should be. As we start this year, I would like to encourage you to be careful to fix our eyes on the right place. To fix our eyes on the right person, rather. So it's not about fixing your eyes on your goals. And goals are a good thing. Are a good thing. Resolutions are a good thing. But it's not only about fixing your eyes on those. It's not about fixing your eyes on the end of the year. To see how much you'll be able to accomplish by then. It's not about fixing your eyes on a certain job. On a certain career. On a certain house. On a certain person. It's not about fixing your eyes on the church leadership. Because the church leadership, while they're here to support you, to pray for you, to guide you, and to guide the church, church leaders are not the object of your faith. They should not be the object of your undivided attention. You're human still. It's not even about fixing your eyes on the tree that was lifted up on Calvary. But it's about fixing your eyes on the one who died on that tree. It is about fixing your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 14. That the 144,000. They have a characteristic. They have been redeemed from the earth. And they follow the lamb wherever he, he goes. You see Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's not all longer. He's no longer not even on the grave. He's in heaven right now. And it is from heaven that we await our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come. So it is there that our eyes should be fixed upon. Others may turn their attention to their own previous steps. They may turn their attention to their own accomplishments. But we are supposed to look up to Jesus. And by watching, we become strong. By waiting, we become strong. We become less selfish. And we get out of our comfort zone. So in the end, it is your connection with Christ that will give you not only strength now, but a bright hope for the days ahead. Like we sang in hymn number 100, uh, strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And bright hope for tomorrow.
That's what awaits you if you set your eyes on Jesus. A true relationship with Jesus is what's going to keep you both today. It's the only thing that is good for now and forever. Because yesterday is gone, but Jesus can give you peace of mind. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter where you've been, Jesus can give you peace of mind. And you don't know what will come tomorrow, but we know that one day Jesus will come. It may not be tomorrow, but it may be this year. It can be sooner than we, than we think. And we are not supposed to live in fear, but we are supposed to live with hope. And we are supposed to live with the assurance of salvation and that right now today. And so my appeal to you today, my brother and my sister, my friend, is that we may be committed to fixing our eyes on Jesus. And make sure that we will live every day of this year following Him, no matter where He takes us. Sometimes it will be painful. Sometimes it will be painful to leave behind cer certain traits of character, certain habits, certain customs. Sometimes it will be painful to go through difficulties in life. It may be painful to go through times of loneliness. But if you keep your eyes set upon Jesus Christ, He will be able to lead you through all of that. And my prayer is that whether at the end of 2019 or at the end of this world when Jesus comes, if that happens before then, my prayer is that each and every one of you who are here today will be standing to say as Isaiah said in Isaiah 25, 9, that this is the Lord whom we have awaited. He is the fulfillment of our hopes. He is the one we've been waiting and He is the one we've been looking forward to meeting finally. And that each and every one of us will be standing there. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Wouldn't that be a great thing that either, uh, even if any of us would pass away between now and the coming of Jesus. Even though I believe it's really soon. It's coming soon. But that the day Jesus come, I would be able to look around and see each and every face I, I see here this morning. And this is my prayer. This is my true prayer for each and every one of us. May God bless us as we commit ourselves to Him throughout this year. Amen. Amen.